Welcome back to the We Are For Good podcast. It's our final day of Women of Impact Week presented by Virtuous. We're glad you're here. Hey, I'm John. And I'm Becky. And this is the We Are For Good podcast. Nonprofits are faced with more challenges to accomplish their missions and the growing pressure to do more, raise more, and be more for the causes that improve our world. We're here to learn with you from some of the best in the industry, bringing the most innovative ideas, inspirational stories, all to create an impact uprising. So welcome to the good community. We're nonprofit professionals, philanthropists, world changers, and rabid fans who are striving to bring a little more goodness into the world. So let's get started. Welcome, welcome. Hey, Becky. I've got stars in my eyes. <laughs> we're going to try to play it cool, though. Yeah, we're going to pretend like this is not the biggest deal ever, that we have such a rock star hero on this podcast. I just want to tell everybody to buckle up, because I think we are about to have an epic conversation that is going to round out this incredible Women of Impact Week, and we are talking with one of these women in the world who is doing so much to lift up um, the good that women are doing in across all sectors, and it's not even women that are even in business. It's women in the way that they're showing up in the world, the way that they are linking arms with each other, and um, I'm just here for it. So I haven't even started the intro, but I had to emote for just a second because I love it when we meet good humans and we can just amplify their good work. So it is my great pleasure to introduce Niven McCall-Maza. She is the VP of News Platforms at a little place I call The Skim. Have you ever heard of it? <laughs> yes. Like millions of people get The Skim. Statistically, you're subscribed, friends, well, right? Well, I, I am a subscriber. I've probably been a sc- subscriber maybe longer than Julie, who's been a subscriber since high school. Um, <laughs> so she is overseeing the Daily Skim newsletter, the website, the subscription app, video content operations. And she's been there. I think you're going on your fourth year. And the way that that she has been able to scale, innovate, and diversify the company's content and products and voice has really made the skim a worldwide digital phenomenon. Um, but the thing I love most about her, and I love that she has skimmed her bio because it's she has an incredible things that she has done in her life, but she just talks about the things that she's passionate about, female empowerment, advancing the skim's mission to make it easier for generations of women to live their smartest lives. Um, she worked at NBC News before this. So she's got that journalism and ethics background, which um, I love and I share with you. Um, And then to top it all off, she's on the board of Grace Farm Foods, which uses food to foster good in the world. So thanks for coming. It was a great episode. (laughs) (laughs) So good to meet you. Welcome to the We Are For Good podcast. Hi, guys. It is so great to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, And you've had some incredible women on the show this week. So really excited to be a part of this. And I've got some, you know, big shoes to fill and live up to as as the the final guest. (laughs) Well, it's going to be amazing. And I just feel like we're just standing in this really storied moment in time that we want to seize where women are just doing extraordinary things in this world and they're finding their voices in ways that they never have before. And I really appreciate that you're creating a platform and a news cycle to inform and advocate for them. So I'd love to just start with your career journey and what your background and what led you to not only this this position, but this purpose and is driven your passion in life. So help us connect the dots. Yeah. Um, so I kind of got the bug in college. Um, I was a history major. I had done some really cool, um, this really great study abroad over at Oxford and really kind of focusing on 
um, you know, actually European countries during the world wars. Um, I was also doing some internships in DC, um, working for a representative Jim Himes of Connecticut and also working for the Library of Congress um, and had done also a couple stints, um, kind of odd jobs at the some NBC Olympics um, and was trying to really think about how do I mix this you know, interest that I have of, of media and history. Um, and this is kind of embarrassing, but um, <laughs> I watched, I was home one summer and I watched the newsroom with Jeff Daniels and I was like, that's it. I am going to go into news. Um, and so I got this um, very low level kind of researcher job at NBC News um, really paid my dues and, uh, was able to learn quickly and move up in that very, uh, fast paced environment, um, that we all kind of consider those that have done it as like, um, a crash course, like a college course of what news is having not gone to journalism school, um, which many had, it was the best training that I ever could have gotten, um, to enter this world of journalism and, you know, it really kind of is your training ground for what images can you show on air and speaking to firsthand sources, whether it be police or to family members who have just lost a loved one. Um, it's a really, really intense experience, um, but really taught me a lot about, um, you know, what is safe to what accurate reporting is really all about, what you are good to be able to show on air and kind of where those standards come in. Um, and I ended up getting a job at The Skim to be their first night editor um, when they were really looking for someone who understood kind of that journalism um, strong background and have been able to move up with The Skim to now be running their news platforms. Um, and I'm just really really excited to be at the skim really excited to be here and that is a, a quick skim of my background and <laughs> <laughs> so humble too you know and i and i love that you um just would share the story about the newsroom because i think your source of inspiration can come from anywhere and little known fact someone on that show was act i went to high school with lisa munn um <laughs> who i think is olivia munn now that is her celebrity name um but i love that story and i and i really appreciate you know it's hard to be a journalist right now i mean journalists have been under fire um in the last several years and and the reality is they are working so hard to inform the public with unbiased facts. And I think that is what is the power of the skim, you know, and what the power of words can do. And I so appreciate the advocacy that you're bringing to the space through just sharing this information, because there's, there's so much, there's so much noise coming at us all the time, especially now in this digital world, we're all social, we're all on our phones and it's hard to know where you can find truth. And so um, I just think that one of these North stars in this sector um, is, is these journalists that are doing the hard work and raging against the storm right now. So I commend you. Yeah. And I think um, media is not perfect, but I think they as a whole have gotten kind of a bad rap these past couple of years and, you know, I heard this quote once and I've shared this with others, but someone I was walking 
in the street of New York and someone said to their friend, if I don't keep up with the news, I'm uninformed. If I do, I'm misinformed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And while I find that to be a pretty catchy line, <laughs> <laughs> I also strongly, strongly disagree with it um, because everyone that I know that works in journalism just takes their job so seriously. And it is our responsibility to try to inform the public as best that we can. You know, there isn't some kind of mass conspiracy to spread information. And I really think that if anything, it, news outlets are not spreading misinformation. So I really want to clarify that. Mm-hmm. Um, we are talking to, you know, the, the skim curates a lot of news, but the you know, NBC and ABC and CNN are really talking to firsthand sources um, and and sharing, you know, as best they can what they're seeing on the ground. Um, so I think it's been tough. I think that some of the criticism is valid in terms of, I think, the bubble that media was very obviously in prior to the 2016 election. And I think a lot of media really did have to reflect and think about Um, What's the path forward and how are we making sure that we are sharing voices and and opinions outside of just um, the coastal cities? But I think that is very different from spreading misinformation. And I think what the skim really prides itself on is how much care we put into our fact-checking process and our sourcing process and really making sure that we are providing a nonpartisan view of what's going on in the world today and respecting our readers and listeners and subscribers enough to let them make a decision about how they want to feel about a policy or an event, um, but that we've given them as much information to allow them to make an informed decision. And I think it's such a gift specifically because there's so much information coming at us nowadays and there's so much happening at all times that we're aware of. Overload. Yeah, absolute overload. So I think that the skim was so ahead of its time in that, that you have been doing this for years and built this massive audience as a result of that. But I kind of wanted to pivot because I think that you said something that triggered in me a, a direction I'd love to go is that we were kind of creeping on Niven's amazing Instagram and she shares these, you know, he, she threads her personal stories with this professional calling that I think you've just kind of explained with journalism too, of just being in the middle of that, of experiencing what everything 2020 was personally in the years before that, and trying to be on the front lines to try to help interpret that to people and to share realities with that. But a post that stuck out to me that I want to kick to you is just a tribute you did to your dad that you said to the man who taught us that the calmest voice in the room can be the strongest. And I think that, you know, we're talking a lot about platform today because we've all been entrusted knowledge or facts and it's up to us. What are we going to do with that um, in our own personal platforms and in the platforms of our nonprofits or whoever's listening to this podcast today? I just wonder if you'd talk a little bit about that part of your story of how you view that and how you view your personal platform in that way too. Yeah. Um, I first want to just give a shout out to my dad. I've learned so much from him. Um, He works at NBC Olympics and he's someone who manages a large team and takes management very seriously. Mm -hmm. I 
have learned a lot about how to be a good manager from him. Um, and in that same vein of, you know, I think I've also learned from bad managers of, uh, you know, you don't have to be the loudest voice in the room. You don't have to, um, threaten or try to elicit fear to gain respect. There are so many other ways of being a good leader. And so I really always try to be an advocate for my team. Um, And I think I learned a lot of that watching my dad growing up over the years and just how much loyalty his team has towards him, knowing that he has their back Um, and that he kind of has crossed the line of like friend and mentor and manager. And I just think that's a really important element in work where we spend, you know, so much of our life and so much of our time. And, you know, I think it's the, the more that you can make it a, a welcoming, you know, environment for people where they can share their experiences and they can have a voice and you're empowering them. Um, I think is super important. And I think that same thing goes for the skim and kind of why I was so drawn to it as a company is it is a place that wants everyone to have a voice, not only internally. I think it's really important that, you know, we have this predominantly female team and it's so cool to be in a room with so many strong women who are coming with fantastic ideas every day of how we can make an impact. Um, And it's a super mission driven company. And I think that's the thing that ties us all together is we all are working towards this very similar goal of trying to help women. Um, So it's very much internal, but it's also very much external. Everything that we are doing is with the goal of empowering women and getting them to really have a voice in their own life um, and speak up and make decisions that are good for their wallet or good for their health. Um, and so it definitely feels like a great, a great place to be based on, on where I've, um, you know, my past and I'm very lucky that the skim is a, is a place that does really prioritize that. And I love that you draw from, you know, what you've learned in these incredible models in your life. And, you know, we've seen that your mom and your dad have been so instrumental in setting this tone for you. And we talk a lot just about mindsets and how leaders need to come at, you know, wherever you are in the sector, it doesn't even have to be a nonprofit, but having this abundance mindset, having an empathy mindset is really going to help. I I would almost say like, smooth off the edges of how you're approaching business, because I think your dad is spot on. I mean, when you said you don't have to elicit fear to gain respect, it's like no one wants to follow a leader that's going to operate in that way. Because in, in my mind, especially in the nonprofit field, we're working toward good. We're working toward huge missions. We are trying to eradicate the world's largest problems. And we've got to come at it, you know, from a leadership standpoint of pulling together, of linking arms and and, and seeing the least of us all the way to, you know, the CEO. So love and that can point. I add something yeah, in here go too. for it. Because Niven is too humble that she's not going to just bring this up. But I think we need to point this out is that. 
your ability to bring this out in your team and create this safe culture and this place where people thrive was recognized through GV, which is Google Ventures impact list on a global scale, right? This past year. So you're on this top impactor list. So I think she's playing very humble ball with this right here, but (laughs) she knows how to do this. She knows how to bring out um, this integrity and meaningful connections within teams. And she's been recognized for it. So just saying that. No shock there. I was <laughs> definitely not going to bring that up. But thank you. <laughs> I guess that would have been awkward. But. <laughs> um, and I'll say, I mean, I'm very humbled and, and very appreciative to have gotten that, that recognition. Um, I would say, you know, this all started so long before me. So much credit goes to Carly Zakin and Danielle Weisberg for creating such an incredible company. Um, and I think it's a company where they really do empower women. Um, and so I have been lucky and fortunate to have benefited from that. Um, and I also think that one of their strengths is also really curating, you know, we, we curate information, but we also curate a team that is so incredible. Um, and so, you know, a lot of what I may be getting recognized for is really just a reflection of how incredible this team is um, and the work they do every single day. Yeah. And I love the value structures of the skim. And when you have those really solid values that everyone can glom onto, I mean, every, every good thing is going to flow down um, from the content to the culture and all of that. So I want to pivot a little bit and just talk about the skim. You know, we may have some listeners who are not familiar with the skim, and I would love for you to give them an overview of how you're empowering and serving. Um, I don't know if it's just millennial women, because I'm a Gen Xer and I feel empowered by it. So yeah, give us a little bit of background on it. Yeah, so the Skim is a mission-driven digital media company. We are most well-known for our flagship product, the Daily Skim Newsletter, which goes out to 7 million millennial women daily. Um, wow. Obviously, that's not just millennial women, but we do have a, a large millennial women audience that we speak to. Um, and we also speak to millions of others through our entire product suite, which includes a subscription app. It includes a career podcast, a news podcast, um, and two other newsletters, one that's focused on money and one that's focused on recommendations for products and entertainment reads, all of that. Um, we started as a newsletter business. Uh, Carly and Danielle worked at, they were producers at NBC And they really felt like, you know, the Today Show and Nightly News just wasn't wasn't speaking to um, their generation and and the audience and people that they speak to all the time. Um, And so they created something themselves that they thought would be a more effective way of of informing uh, this generation. And it obviously has worked and it's I mean it's been, a verb you, now so it's it like, is a when verb you, when you're a verb you've arrived <laughs> <laughs> um and so they've really built this um I'll call it an empire I I will and <laughs> say so they've they've built this team and this empire and this business and we've gone from trying to help women understand the news in the morning. And really the purpose of that is, you know, how can you have informed conversations throughout the course of the day? If something comes up at work, making sure that you have the background to be able to speak to that in a meeting is super important. If something comes up at the dinner table, making sure that you're having informed conversations with your, you know, personal network. 
um, and making sure that extends all the way through now when you vote um, in either your local elections, your presidential elections, whatever that is, um, you know, we really want to make sure that we've built that foundation over the course of however many years that we've, we have you as a reader, um, you know, that you have the information and feel equipped to make an informed decision at the polls. And so I think it's really, you know, it started, started there and it's grown into, we've been able to kind of have this impact with news and how do we have that same impact in so many other areas of life. Um, and we've moved into money and trying to help women make smarter financial decisions, um, you know, equal paydays this week. And we have seen that women are still making around 82 cents for every dollar that men are making. Um, and that's, you know, even more egregious when you break it down by Black women and Hispanic women um, and, and Asian women and Native American women. And so it's trying to make sure, you know, there's a large part of that that is a complete society problem that's a huge problem that needs to be solved. Um, but for the part that women do have control over, which is when they go into a, a negotiation with their boss or when they are, um, you know, at the stage of interviewing for a job, how can we equip them in the best way that we can um, so that they are getting what they need? Um, so that's, you know, we've got the money element, then we were going into health um, and have really launched that kind of in tandem with the needs that we were seeing happening last year uh, with this pandemic that we are all still living through and understanding that there's so much of your health that is also incredibly complicated. And so much of this stuff we just don't learn in school, like how to manage your health insurance and how to do your taxes. And thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and all of these things that are so relevant to actually being able to live a smart life. But, you know, I'm not going to say anything bad about the type of things that we learn in school, but there does seem to be a real lack of kind of these foundational things that I think are so important um, in the skim is really trying to make sure that as many women have access to that information. Hey friends, Women of Impact Week is presented by Virtuous and they just happen to be one of our favorite companies. You know, we believe everyone matters and we believe the greatest philanthropic movements happen when you see and activate donors at every level. And our friends at Virtuous created a fundraising platform to help you do just that. Virtuous is the only responsive fundraising platform designed to help nonprofit teams build better donor relationships and increase impact with confidence. Plus, their number one core value is team and family. So this week, we're excited to highlight a few of the phenomenal women and clients within their family. Hi there, my name is Beth, and I have the pleasure of overseeing the Advancement Department at Mel Trotter Ministries in West Michigan. What that means is our team is in charge of both communication and development for Mel Trotter Ministries, and we exist to demonstrate the compassion of Jesus for all those experiencing hunger and homelessness. So as you can imagine, we take our mission very seriously. And as part of that, we made the decision last year to implement Virtuous. Since we've done so, our team has been able to not only bring in more funds than ever before, but also really engage in the donor experience because this is a very bi-directional relationship that we must have with our donors, our community, and others so that we can absolutely help every single person who walks through our door. 
and, and beyond. We go out and do outreach as well. So Virtuous has allowed us to focus on our mission, be the people that we were called to be, and to really make a difference insofar as those who are hungry and homeless. Okay, I just want to give an endorsement of the scam because even as you're saying all of this, it I want to give some context to it because, you know, we talk so much about, you know, having a voice and creating what is your voice as as an organization, as a human being. When you're on social or on digital platforms, what is your voice? And the skim to me was one of the first media outlets I felt like seemed like a person. They seemed like they had a soul. And And I want to say that it it is, it takes the fear and the imposter syndrome out of walking into one of these conversations that you're discussing. It feels like a girlfriend, like you're having coffee with your girlfriend and she's telling you what's going on. And I love that you brought up equal pay because I think, you know, as we're discussing Women of Impact Week, I, I just, I was reading an article today about it and it's just so shocking. And I don't, I think people, when they hear about equal pay, they're just like, yeah, women are not making enough, but it's not, we're not digging into the why of that. And it's like, if you look at like we had had somebody on um, a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about the amount of um, unemployment that happened in December. And I thought the stat was wrong. It was 145,000 women who lost their job in December or left their job because of, you know, the pressures of taking care of children, of needing to be at home during COVID. And that shrinks the pay gap for all of us when these women are leaving the sector and they're leaving the sector on the lowest end. And so we've got to figure out a way. And this is why I'm like trying to empower people. We've got to be advocates for them. When these women come into our workspace, we've got to be um, kind and gracious about making sure that they have balance and making sure that um, that they have promotional opportunities and that we're creating pathways for success, that we're checking in often. You know, this is a really difficult time right now. And I just really appreciate how you're lifting that conversation up and finding a way for people to pour into it. That December jobs report stat, I will say I also thought was wrong. And I, we, you know, our team as fact checkers, like we dug in there and um, there were men that lost their jobs in December as well. I do want to be clear about that. Um, but I think what was so astounding is that um, the amount of women that lost their jobs were like double, I think, how the number of men that lost their jobs. And therefore, the net, the net loss came out to, I think it was the 145,000 staff that you mentioned. Um, now, I'm sure my, my team would fact check me on all those. But the, the key thing there really comes down to the fact that our society is not equipped to support working moms. And um, we still, as a country, don't have a federally mandated family leave policy. Um, And there's so much action that needs to be done when it comes to that. And I think this pandemic has shown a spotlight on how we are, are far from equality when it comes to protecting women, we could talk about that when it comes to domestic violence. We could talk about that when it comes to, you know, women feeling safe walking home from, from work. Um, but also, you know, really just are they protected in the workplace? And how are we thinking about having two parents that work? And have we changed our, our kind of system of work since, you know, let's just say the 1940s and the 1950s? 
And now that we have so many women who are really, you know, leading the charge when it comes to graduation rates and working and being leaders at companies, I don't think that our um, family leave policies have really caught up with that. And that's something that needs to, I think, change yesterday, you know, years ago. Decades Um, ago. And, you know, it's just, it's tough to to be on Zoom and, and see so many of my incredible work coworkers juggling, trying to teach their kids, trying to, you know, engage their kids, leading these meetings. Um, I have, I mean, I respected them before, but my respect level now is through the roof. And I just have no idea how, you know, everyone is, is doing it. And I recognize that I'm in a very different situation without having kids living through this pandemic. Um, and I just can't imagine, you know, the immense amount of additional pressure that it's adding on, on so many women across the country. Well, I think, I mean, I love that conversation because just like the skim, you're leading us toward action, toward informed understanding of facts and how does that drive to what do we need to do? And I think a lot of our listeners are, we're connected to causes, we're organizations, we exist because we're trying to perpetuate something or eradicate something. And there's such a, a beautiful, diverse audience that listens to this podcast. And I know that you know, at such a deep level, the power of storytelling and how it can expose inequalities, how it can challenge systemic issues like racism and also just build communities as well. And I wonder if you could kind of give us, you could either share a story or maybe a great example of how you've seen this partnership of using story to lift a cause and how we can kind of inspire our nonprofits to, to use that to their advantage to really get our messages out. Yeah. I think storytelling, um, comes with a lot of responsibility. I think that we have witnessed these past couple of years that people still really do live in bubbles across the country. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are times that whatever publication or whatever um, nonprofit, whatever it is that they're experiencing might be the, I, I would doubt it's the first time, but might be one of the few times that they may really get to um, see someone of a different community and kind of hear their story. And so, you know, I think we all have a responsibility to really, as storytellers, be thinking about what stories are we sharing and how are we highlighting really the the power of all of these communities and kind of the leadership and the what makes them so unique. Um, but also on the flip side, we have the responsibility to also make sure that we are laying bare the inequalities and inequities that they still face and are really trying to make everyone aware that we as citizens of the U.S. are responsible ourselves for correcting a lot of these issues. Um, And there's a lot that the government should be doing, but there's also a lot that we all should be doing in our personal life. Um, to be anti-racist and to make sure that we are calling out injustice when we see it in our, you know, in our homes, in conversation with our families, in our workplace, making sure that we have diversity in hiring and diversity in making sure we have an inclusive workplace, that we're calling it out if we see someone say something that's offensive and racist at the post office, let's just say, you know, and I think we 
are helping everyone to realize that we all have this responsibility um, and that we are equipping our audience to let them know, like, this is your responsibility and this is how you can take action. These are the resources that you can go to, to learn more, to understand more, to donate your time or donate your money. Um, These are how you have uncomfortable conversations with even your own family members about race. Um, So it's incredibly important and something that I think the skim has really tried to take on as best we can. I think this is such a large scale reckoning that this country needs to have. And I think the skim is really trying to make sure that we are equipping our audience in the best way that we can um, to be very aware and very active in their daily lives of how to stand up and be anti-racist. And back to, you don't have to be the loudest voice in the room to get that point across. And I think that is the real opportunity here, because if there's anything that I have felt emboldened by this year, it is that we cannot even stay silent. That staying silent is is one of the pitfalls of creating this this um, environment in this world that we're living in. And it is incumbent upon us to bravely and kindly step out and check people. We need to amplify our voices. We need to dig into our core. And part of that comes with just feeling like you know what's going on, being informed, knowing where the resources are. That can that can completely disarm a conversation immediately. Um, so I wanted to like talk a little bit about how you build advocacy within community. Because I think you all do this so well. And I, we, we had talked earlier this week with Dr. Uh, Tyrone Freeman as he was sharing the story of Madam C.J. Walker and one of the groundbreaking African-American philanthropists um, in the early 1900s. And he is, is informing us and telling us that philanthropy is not just about giving. It's also about activating and it's about volunteering and it's about getting involved and finding a way that you can pour whatever your gift is into something else. The skim does an amazing job of this. So how, what kind of advice would you give to our nonprofit community about building advocacy within their own spheres? I think you hit the nail on the head when it comes to providing resources. I think, you know, everyone has a different capacity for what they can give, whether that be money, whether that be time, whether that be challenging their inner circle, determining whether their inner circle is really, um, you know, acting in accordance to the way that they want to live their own life. And um, I think, you know, we try to not assume what our audience is, is capable of providing in any given moment. Um, while also recognizing that, you know, this is a journey and everyone is on a different stage of that journey. And so it's, it's trying to make sure that you are providing everyone, no matter what stage they are on, a certain level of resources for how they can take action. And I think um, the other element of it is making sure that you are being authentic So making sure that you are not asking more of your audience or more of whoever you are speaking to, the donors, constituents, whoever it is, than you are willing to do yourself. Um, And so it's also, I think, really putting in the work. Um, And, you know, the SKIM, I think, is, is doing that in a great way with a program called SKIM Elevate, which is making sure that we are, um, supporting and highlighting, 
BIPOC businesses. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with how are you behind the scenes being very intentional um, and, and making sure that, you know, you are putting in the same work that you are asking others to do because people are smart. They can, they're going to read through um, anything that doesn't come off as, you know, well, why are they asking me when they're not going to do anything themselves? So I think it's important that the message comes off as authentic. You know, it's, it's, it's been a year. <laughs> um, and I am a, a half black woman and it has definitely been a lot to process on a personal level. Um, we also trying on a professional level to make sure that we are, are helping our audience, you know, really understand and, um, you know, spread the stories of inequity um, and racism that we're seeing. But on a personal level, I am, um, I'll say hopeful. I think the, the amount of conversations that I've had with people lately, I am glad at least that some of this stuff has risen to the surface. And I think that there was a lot of, um, I don't want to say people were blind, but I think, you know, there was a lot of, oh, it's, it's not really happening here anymore. Um, you know, and I, I'm hopeful that by addressing these things in a very explicit out there way, um, you know, even if, even if that only changes 5% of the population, that's a start. <laughs> and so I would just say, you know, keep going, have your conversations with people in Oklahoma. Like you have the power to make that change. We've seen that firsthand how much, you know, we all have, we all hold that power. Um, and it starts, it's, it really does start local. And if you impact 5%, that 5% can impact, I mean, ripple, 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 ripple. And that's what I think you need to start a movement. Some people have a mailing list of seven or 8 million, whatever you said at the skim. And some of this, we all have people that listen to us and look up to us in some way. And so thank you for that. I really appreciate that. So we're rounding out women of impact week. And I'm wondering what's, who's a woman that you admire or who's shaped you into who you are today? Well, I'm glad you asked. Cause I, I love my dad, but I want to make sure that my mom gets. I was feeling cross. that right after. I was I'm feeling like, it too. Mom some love. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, she really is the, I'd call her kind of the, the fire of our family. She is a very, very strong woman um, and has always really pushed me to be a feminist, to have a voice. Okay. I'm having a bad day. What? am I going to do about it? You know, she's always the person that I turn to for so many things, but she is just this incredible source of strength. Um, and she herself as a, you know, a black woman who grew up in a time where these conversations weren't being had and, and racism was more explicit. You know, she's gone through a lot. And I think that she is just, just, it, it, she's an incredibly radiant, strong woman and has shown me kind of the path to lead. And I'll say, just to give an example, my mom and my best friend's mom took us to uh, so many, I remember just so, going to so many like women's forums and panels when we were kids. Um, and we met one time 
Mary Robinson, who was the first female president of Ireland. And I just remember being like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be president one day. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, my best friend and I kind of came out of that and we started this, we, we started this club at our high school and we had to like petition to the, to the principal that we wanted to start this club. And it was called power project of women's essential rights. And we wanted to create this small group. I mean, it happened to be small. We weren't hoping it would be small, but it was (laughs) of women in our high school who were really, um, who wanted, you know, really to embrace feminism and the advancement of women. Um, And so my point of all this is that this all started very young. It started with my mom bringing me to these panels, showing me how women can rise um, and that I'm, you know, such an invaluable thing to have understood at such a young age that, you know, there's, I can, I can do anything. I can be president of Ireland. (laughs) (laughs) You may have to immigrate first, but (laughs) I was just thinking we need to have mama McCall on the uh, podcast. She could like come in here and teach us. How do you, I mean, cause I sense that you have just so, um, you love yourself. She's taught you to be confident. She's taught you that you are important and unique and, and special. And it just shows that if you can start early with empowering a young girl in that way, she can rise to be the VP of news at the skim. Holy <laughs> smokes. I mean, I may be, I may be nerdy, but I think that's cooler than the president of Ireland. (laughs) I'm really curious if we ask all our guests just about a moment of philanthropy that maybe just deeply moved you um, and stuck with you. Do you have one that um, is personal to you? Yeah. And I think it kind of goes back to, you know, being shaped at a young age. So I, you know, I wasn't really that young. I was ninth grade, um, but went on a couple of service projects. So Appalachia service project is what it was called. And it was in partnership with a church in town. Um, and it's this kind of months long, I think experience where you, you are learning how to do kind of building techniques before you go and you go and you are helping, um, people in Appalachia who are less fortunate than you repair their homes. And they really, I mean, it was such an important experience for me of really getting to know people outside of where I lived and um, recognizing that, um, you know, I was very fortunate to grow up in this small town in Connecticut where I didn't have to worry about having food on my table at dinner or if it was raining, is there a leak in the ceiling? And um, really just opened my eyes to how privileged I was. Um, and that there is so much work to be done domestically. And I think, you know, a lot of times I feel like when people, especially I think when I was growing up, maybe this is just my own ignorance, (laughs) but I think there's a lot of like, oh, I'm going to donate to this cause abroad. And, you know, there's a lot going on that internationally that the U.S. can be leading the charge. And I think all of that is true, but there is also a lot to be done in the communities here. And so I think it was really eye-opening experience for me of, um, you know, checking my own privilege. 
change and really understanding the level of of work that needed to be done in the U.S. and also, again, kind of the stories that need to be told and how we can help these communities um, and what effect we all can have to make change. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Goodness, thank you for sharing that. Okay, we're kind of coming into the end of our interview, although we don't want this to end, but... (laughs) Would you share one good thing? We ask all of our guests a piece of advice or something that you could implement today. It's this is our most skim question on our list. It really is our it really most is. skim question. Skim it down to one. What's <laughs> your one good thing? I would say my the one good thing I would recommend is really just asking others how you can help and pausing and listening to their response. Um, I think that we have a tendency to go through our lives. We're all super busy and kind of understand or think we understand what other people are going through. And I think we are going through a time where we are all dealing with this pandemic and stress and everything that's being asked of us in very different ways. Um, And we don't know how everyone is dealing with it. And so I think um, trying to check in and trying to really listen as best we can to what other people are needing is I found to be, you know, as, as much as we can do sometimes is just being an ear to listen. And and through that, you know, you might find a way to be able to help others. And that right there is the essence of our dear friend, our new friend here, because I mean, I love that you as a journalist, are just encouraging others to just listen and kind of extend their hand and and move through life in a way that is heartfelt and genuine because that is how we can upend you know generations of hate and derision and those kinds of things it's it's really about listening and finding a way that you can pour yourself into someone else because i again i think that is has such a cyclical effect that once you do that, it's just going to keep compounding upon itself. And so, and that's something that everybody can do. Um, how can listeners connect with you, with the skim? We've already given a massive shout out to your Instagram. Only go there if you, if your heart and your mind are centered, because I made me a little weepy um, because your writing is just so great. And I love the way you humanize yourself. And I can tell who the important people are in your life and the important values that you have. And it's just a wonderful platform. But how could somebody um, connect with you and the skim? You can sign up. Um, at theskim.com for any of our newsletters. I highly recommend them. They are free. The Daily Skim comes to your inbox every morning. Our other two are weekly newsletters, but I promise that you will get something out of them. Um, You can also connect with us 24-7 on our Instagram, which is at theskim. Um, And I appreciate my own personal Instagram love that you guys have been giving me. (laughs) I've been trying to share more, so I appreciate that it's not gone unnoticed. Um, But I am at the curvature, which who knows why I have that handle. It doesn't really make sense. I hope you bought the URL. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I should probably change that. But I really appreciate you guys having me on and and allowing me to speak to a lot of issues that the skim is trying to do. Um, And I also just want to say how impressed I am that, that you guys have started this podcast and have focused on how to bring good to the world, because I know that it's not easy and the world definitely feels 
a bit dark right now. Um, so to have a space and to have had this time to really be able to speak about how we can affect change and affect good um, is such a such a rare thing. So thank you for bringing so much light to your listeners. You know, as dark as the time is, I've, I feel like everyone's looking for hope and a way that they can pour into bringing our light back. And so thank you for that. And, and I want to give a challenge to everybody right now. If you can do one good thing, maybe this is my one good thing. Please forward the skim to an important woman in your life and an important man in your life. I and mean, we have talked so much about this being a platform for women, but we've also discussed this week the importance of male allyship and to even have the important men in our life understand the issues that they're facing and how they can pour into it is really going to make this grassroots movement grow even further. So appreciate you. Love your heart. Thank you for sharing with us. Hope our paths cross again. This has been amazing. Thank you. Thank you both. Thanks so much for listening to today's conversation with Niven. What an amazing way to wrap up Women of Impact Week. To dive into all the resources and show notes from this week's episodes, visit weareforgood.com slash women. I hope you hear it in our voices, but we love connecting you with the most innovative people to help you achieve more for your mission than ever before. We'd love for you to come join our good community. It's free and you can think of it as the after party for every episode. It's our own social network. You can sign up for today at weareforgood.com slash hello. And one more thing, if you love what you heard today, would you mind leaving us a podcast rating and review? It means the world to us and your support helps more people find our community. Thanks, friends. Our production hero has been a skimmer for nearly a decade, Julie Confer. It's true. And our theme song is Sunray by Remy Boersboom. Go rock this week, do-getters. Rabbit fans have always powered the We Are For Good podcast, but now Rabbit fans can get even more goodness and access by joining Good Friends. It's our listener support community for the We Are For Good podcast. Good Friends comes with perks, exclusive episodes with John and I, including The Good Brief, our new monthly cliff notes of the greatest takeaways and lessons learned from that month, and exclusive AMA episodes where we answer your burning questions and tap our community of experts. Join now or learn more at weareforgood.com backslash friends. We can't wait to see you inside. That's weareforgood.com slash friends.